Hello and welcome to this week's Key Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty and this week we're talking the early career framework which will be hitting schools in September. And I spoke to Gareth Conyard, who is Deputy Director of the Developing Teachers and Leaders Division at the Department of Education, one of the civil servants involved with um, bringing the framework to life. And Jacqueline Gilbert, who is Deputy Head at Parkview Community School in Manchester, who has been part of the early rollout of the Early Career Framework. And she volunteered to talk to us and shares her experiences of the programme. And it's really interesting, Jacqueline has been teaching for many years and she actually found the process of mentoring and supporting uh, these early career teachers really beneficial for her own practice, um, as well as appreciating the consistency of the programme, particularly in this, this year interrupted by COVID and the quality of the, the resources that she was using to support them. We also hear a little bit more about the reasons behind um, the, the framework and, and, its, its, um, and more information about its launch. Just a slight note that the sound isn't up to its usual quality this week, and that is completely due to difficulties with internet connections with both of our speakers. So apologies for that, but you can, you can hear everything that they have to say. And as ever, I'd just like to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around topics. The views my guests and I are about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. Hello, this morning I am joined by Gareth Conyard, Deputy Director of the Developing Teachers and Leaders Division at the DfE, and Jacqueline Gilbert, who is Deputy Head at Parkview Community School. And we are going to be talking about the Early Career Framework. Hello to both of you. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Um, perhaps we could just start by you both telling us a little bit about yourselves. So, um, Gareth, why don't why don't you kick on uh, kick off? Sorry. Thank you, Caroline, um, uh, and thanks for having me on this podcast. It's really great to be here. I am, uh, as you said, a deputy director uh, at the Department of Education. I, I'm a career civil servant, 18 years and counting in the civil service, uh, almost all of which has been in the Department of Education in its various guises over the year, with a, a brief a brief stint at what was the Department of International Development. Um, currently, I am responsible for uh, all things in the department to do with uh, the professional development of teachers. Uh, and in particular, right now, I'm focused on delivering the early career framework for September, which is what we're obviously here to talk about today. But I'm also responsible for national professional qualifications, uh, which lots of your listeners will have or be interested in doing, uh, and which we are also reforming with a new suite to launch in September. So lots of stuff around CPD, all of it focused on delivery in just a few months' time. Yeah, I was going to say... A Busy, busy time for, for you and your team. Um, and Jacqueline, can you tell us a little bit about, about um, your, your career today as well? Thanks, Caroline. It's great to be here today. Um, well, I started my career a very long time ago, back in the mid-1980s, when perms were big and shoulder pads were even bigger. Um, and that was before there was even a national curriculum. Uh, I've seen hundreds, if not thousands of changes in educational reform, policy and practice over those years. I've worked in many local authorities across the Northwest in a variety of capacities from class teaching to senior leadership, including headship. I've worked as an associate ad advisor for a local authority, mentoring aspiring head teachers, and I've spent several years working as part of a local authority school improvement team as a first a numeracy consultant, and then as a teaching and learning consultant supporting schools in special measures. I've also been passionate about teaching and learning throughout my whole career, and my current role as a deputy head in a, a vibrant multicultural inner city primary school has enabled me to get back to a hands-on approach to teaching and learning. Um, so whilst in this job, I've had the opportunity to develop trainee teachers and NQTs as a lead mentor in school, and this in turn has enabled us to grow our own teachers and ultimately achieve better outcomes for our children. 
Great stuff. And um, wow, as you say, you've you, you've seen a lot of initiatives come I have. and go in that time. So I feel I feel like you're a really good person um, to talk to, uh, because the reason we're talking to you today is because you've been involved in the in the early rollout um, of, of the framework. Um, so, yeah, that that um, great stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Gareth, can you maybe start by telling us a little bit about what is behind the early career framework reforms? What exactly is changing and how schools will be supporting their early career teachers? Absolutely. Um, so this will take me a little bit of time, but I'll go, I'll go through stuff as succinctly as I can. I think starting off with your first question, what's behind this? Um, so the first thing I think I want to say is that this has been a, a process that's been in train for quite some time. Um, 2017, uh, when Justin Greening became our Secretary of State, when we first started working uh, in earnest on this area, um, started with a consultation uh, to the system that said, what should we do to better support teachers at different stages of their career, but with a particular focus on careers at, at, on teachers at the very beginning of their career. Um, the, the really strong sense we got back from the system through this consultation was that there is lots of really good practice going on, um, but it wasn't consistent. And for some teachers joining the profession, they're going to schools that really understood the need to support someone in their first few years in the role. For other people, they were finding they were going in and basically being thrown at the deep end with very little in terms of support. Um, we obviously had induction for, for new teachers as a core part of the system for, for decades, but but what we've never done is try and make sure that it is a consistent experience for people across the country. So what the early career framework is really trying to do is address some of that to make sure that for every teacher, regardless of which school you go into, uh, at the beginning of your career, there is a structured program of support and development that helps you uh, really understand your craft, really understand the role. Um, we've designed it uh, in conjunction with the system. So this is uh, a framework that's been designed with experts. Um, from from across the school system, um, you know, head teachers, teachers, um, organisations like the Chartered College and the Education Endowment Foundation. Uh, we've really looked at what the evidence says that underpins uh, each of these things, uh, each of the kind of key elements of the framework. So things like classroom and behaviour management, pedagogy, or, or, or whatnot, um, so that everybody gets that consistent experience. What we also recognise, though, is that it's no good us from the centre just saying here's some stuff to do, it's now more consistent, off you go and do it. We also need to make sure that people have the time and space uh, to do it. And crucially, they have the underlying structures of support in place that help them do it too. So the, the, the core parts of that are first making sure that we are uh, giving people the time. Uh, so the ECF is moving induction from a one-year programme to a two-year programme. Um, Already in the, uh, every early career teacher is entitled to 10% off their timetable to do induction training. That's already baked into the system, has been for a very long time. Um, but as part of the ECF, we're also providing funding to every school uh, with an early career teacher so that they can fund an additional 5% off timetable in the second year uh, of uh, a teacher's um, career. Um, so that gives them the time and space to engage with the framework. On top of that, we are uh, creating uh, space for mentoring in the system. We've created a new designated mentor role as part of our statutory guidance um, so that mentors have the uh, have the capacity built in to support the early career teacher. We provided some training for them to do as well to help improve the consistency of mentoring. Uh, and again, this responds to some of the feedback we've had consistently from the sector that just shows that the it doesn't matter how good a framework you have, it doesn't matter how strong an evidence base you have, particularly for early career teachers, you also need someone who can be there and help you understand and talk you through it. Um, and that mentoring relationship is by far the most valuable bit. When people tell us what they liked about their induction experience and path, they always say the mentoring was the most valuable bit. So we've worked really hard to carve out time and funding to support um, this, this mentoring element. Um, there are lots of other details we might get into about how it's going to be in practice, but I think that's the kind of core stuff that people should have up front in their heads. It's a two-year induction with a, uh, a full um, framework based on evidence developed in conjunction with the system, um, funding for people to engage with it, both from the early career teacher perspective, 
but also from the perspective of the mentors supporting those early career teachers. That's great. Thank you very much. And um, it, it makes me think of, um, a lot about, um, you know, um, Becky Allen and Sam Sims' book, The, the, the Teacher Gap. And we, we had um, uh, Becky on the, on the podcast last year. And, and, and yeah, that point that you make around consistency and the way that when they've looked at, um, you know, early, early career teachers, um, the experiences can be very different and that can turn some people off teaching for good because they can't kind of disaggregate their experience of being a teacher from their experience of being a teacher in that particular school. And I think, yeah, it's really interesting to think about how um, if everybody has this kind of common experience, you know, and, and, and common entit entitlement and understanding of, of, of what they would get um, in that context, that will um, that will make a really um, big difference, I imagine, hopefully to, um, you know, re retention um, of, 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 of teachers and, 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 you know, that's obviously um, a key reason behind some of these changes. So, uh, Jacqueline, um, as we mentioned, your school um, took took part in the early rollout of the programme. Um, why did your school want to get involved in that? Well, um, recruitment and retention of teachers has been an issue, not only in our school, but many schools in our cluster, particularly with the range of challenges that an inner city school has and the pressures that it can put on new teachers. And last year, I mentored a teaching assistant who was going through the Teach First route into teaching. And I was very impressed with the programme and the course was really effective in helping our teaching assistant gain his, his QTS. Uh, qualified teacher status and all of this happened during the first COVID-19 lockdown so we were trying to get him through his QTS whilst obviously schools were shut as well so it was difficult um, but as part of that Teach First programme the Early Careers Framework was raised as an option for the NQT uh, year to work alongside that NQT induction process, which we'd have to do through our local authority. And because we're based in Manchester, we were also eligible to be part of that early rollout. So after spending a bit of time looking into it, um, it just seemed like a natural progression to take advantage of that early rollout and continue with Teach First as our provider. That's probably because we'd had a good relationship with our development lead from Teach First. We were impressed with their, their provision and input for both the trainee teacher and for myself as a mentor. Um, great. That, 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 that's really, um, yeah, interesting to think about. Yeah, as you say, like that kind of con continuity um, again from the from the teacher training. Um, Gareth, we, we've we've heard about um, Jacqueline's experience of her her provider there. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the other providers that are, are available for schools to use? Yeah, absolutely. So we have secured six providers uh, to deliver this extra support offer for schools. Um, the uh, the key thing for us is that all the providers have to meet the same standard. Um, their materials are checked uh, by the Education Endowment Foundation in terms of strength of evidence, um, and they're all offering really good, robust programs, all based on the early career framework. So whichever provider or school chooses to go with, they could be confident that the uh, underpinning evidence, that the structure will be consistent, and it will be the same. Um, for reference, the six providers um, are on the website, but it's Teach First, uh, Ambition, um, uh, the uh, Education Development Trust, uh, UCL, uh, Best Practice Network, and Capita partnered with the University of Birmingham. So they're the six providers who are delivering delivering this provision. But as I said, whichever provider you're going with, they're all following a consistent framework and a consistent approach in terms of evidence. And that, of course, is really important because um, teachers do move. Early career teachers will move. Uh, schools and they need to know that if they move from one school to another even if they are using a different training provider to provide the early career experience there's a consistency there for them uh, which means they can sort of do that move without skipping a bit but we worked really hard to make sure that happens um, as Jacqueline said people will make decisions based on existing relationships people they know uh, they might work with their local teaching school hub for example who've partnered with one of those six providers and that feels like a really natural place for them to be um, but yeah, each provider offers the same quality 
uh, and, and level of experience. Uh, what has been different for you from your perspective then, um, working with um, the um, early career framework this year um, than, you, than your usual kind of um, NQT induction process? Can you talk me through practically kind of what's been different? Right, well, so to put it into context then, this year we've actually had four NQTs, which we've never had so many in a year. Um, and the, uh, the early career framework, the early rollout actually came at the perfect time for us because with having so many NQTs, as um, Gareth had said, consistency is really important. We wanted to make sure that all our NQTs have all had the similar experiences for that induction period. Um, and because I'm a non-class based deputy, it's also enabled me to devote dedicated um, ECF mentor time to those to three of the NQTs. The fourth um, NQT is in the early years, so it, it was more natural for the early years lead than to be her mentor. But as the senior mentor lead in school, I work closely with her to make sure that, again, as Gareth said, it's about consistency and making sure that all four of our NQTs um, were getting a similar experience. And so the early careers framework was fantastic because it gave us that starting point and consistency in um, the, the access to um, the, the things that they were looking at, um, sessions that we're going through was similar as well. And it also made us think about how we were going to then organise that induction year for them. So, for example, on a Friday afternoon, I made sure that we timetabled all four of them to start their NQT time together. And for half an hour, um, I would be with them, would meet with them, and we'd go through things that we'd done in the sessions for that week and gave them the opportunity to share practice and successes with each other, which was really good. And also for them to network as a small group so that they could support each other within school. But then of course, through COVID, we had um, bubbles then you know after the so the first term was okay but the second term with lockdown etc we then had to resort to zooming so that's kind of had a big impact but it's also been positive because we've gone through all of this disruption actually the early careers framework has given us stability throughout the whole of this year it's given us a, like a core a spine if you like of things that that we know is constant and we can work really well with it and um, so it's been particularly successful for us um, and I think the early career framework provides um, our NQTs with weekly CPD in the form of online sessions to work through um, it provides them with reading pre and post quizzes to complete video clips to watch additional short tasks to complete online and in the classroom and it might sound like a lot but actually each session takes less than an hour to get through and we expect the NQTs Either. They can be flexible, but we've sort of said to them, you can use part of your dedicated NQT time to fit this in. Um, so each half term, there's a module which is broken down into weekly sessions and the theme looks at the pedagogy behind the module, for example. Um, the first one was about how you can create a powerful learning environment. So it actually gives them, you know, lots of practical ideas to try out in a safe environment too. So. Um, it's been an incredibly useful tool for them and for us as mentors to support them through this process. That's that's great, and it's really interesting to hear your reflection there about um, actually the this having it so structured really helped. Um, uh, you know, with, with all the disruption around COVID and, and, and doing things online and having those um, regular weekly um, sessions meant that, you know, um, their experience um, wasn't wasn't as impacted as it as it might have been. Um, and, and how do you think? I mean, I guess it's difficult because it, it's it's been their only um, experience of the process. They've got nothing to compare it to. But given your you know experience of working um, with teachers at the start of their their career, how do you think? on balance they've they've responded to it and 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 found it uh, it's, it's been good actually because yesterday Thursdays is a busy day for me because I tend to do most of my NQT mentoring on a Thursday so I've got this fresh off the press if you like I've spoken to them yesterday um, they've all engaged with it really well. Um, I, what I tend to do is I email them the questions from the mentor handbook at the start of the week. And they make sure that they've looked at the session materials the week before. 
and completed some of the tasks or prepared for drop-ins. And it's meant that our mentor meetings then have been really structured and there's an opportunity for reflection, discussion, um, further opportunities for them to share successes and discuss, we love the word tweak, discuss tweaks that they will make to their future practice. Um, one of the things that the ECF has talked about is leverage. Um, and so it talks about little tweaks to get maximum leverage. And so they, they're really on board with that. They like the fact that there's a theme for each half term and they enjoy that they can do the weekly training in their own time. And as long as they're ready for the week ahead, they like that flexibility. Um, so while there's a lot of content, um, because there is a clear focus, it gives them the chance to build up their skills. And, and it's a bit like um, layering the practice it layers things up within each module and it demonstrates the skills that is um, that it takes you know to teach well um, for example there's a pre and post quiz in their training and they are encouraging low stakes quizzes with their own children so they can see that some of the stuff that they're doing as part of the early careers framework um, it kind of translates into their teaching so they can understand the reason for it and actually it makes it more real to them so um, it provides a range of experts um, as well through video clips and what they've said they've enjoyed is that it's not the same people that are talking to them each week in the training sessions. There's a range of practitioners, there's a range of experts. So, so they actually like the variety of, of you know, the materials that are available to them. And it's not the same each week. So it makes it fresh for them. So they really enjoy that. Um, and I think, um, there's also half-termly live training for them as well, which is after school. And because we do, I think we do ECF well in our school, we share a lot of our practice with others on the course too. I think the only downside is that the, the training for them is an hour and a half. And sometimes it's at straight after school when they've had a really busy day. Um, and yeah, they, they kind of involved with that. For example, this week it was parents' evening, so it clashed with their training. So um, the great thing is there is flexibility. So there will be recorded materials for them to access later. But they do like to be part of that session because we do it well in our school. They can offer lots of, of guidance to other people on the course as well, which is good. Um, yeah, and I think they all feel really supported through the first year, despite the disruptions of COVID. They all feel that it's given them a focus, um, uh, that they can use it in whatever context that they've been teaching in. So, for example, this year, obviously, with, the, with um, schools being partially open, they can still practice those skills with four children or 20 children on Zoom or um, through telephone conversations one-to-one -one with children, you know, that weren't in school or weren't accessing Zoom. So they, it's been really great because they've still been able to learn new things, practice skills throughout this, um, this time. Um, and also three of our early careers teachers had only two terms of school experience last year to gain their qualified teacher status. So actually, the early careers framework has been fantastic because it's been topping up their knowledge, which has been brilliant. Um, and I think that's really helped them because they've felt you know, ill prepared to come into teaching with only two year, two terms experience. But actually, it's been really it's continued their learning as they've carried on through their teaching. So it's been great. We've yeah, they're really really positive about it. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really um that's a really good point there about um you know the the cohorts that have been um affected by by COVID there and and I like what you're saying about the um the focus um to to each half term and the particular points that you're picking up in your sessions in quite a structured way because I think you know. A, a lot of the difficulty is it, it feels like you've got to work on everything at once all the time, um, starting out in the classroom and actually having that that clear focus um, means that you can, you know, actually actually move forward on, on, on particular topics. And I'd like to hear from from you about how you found being being a mentor. And as you say, your you, your school has had a lot of practice to share um, with, with others. Um, have, have you have you made connections with other mentors as part of the mentor training, for example? 
Yeah, I mean, I've always enjoyed coaching and mentoring. And as an experienced teacher, it's good to share some of that knowledge and experience with people who are new to teaching and those who've got some experience under their belts. So um, it's been like another dimension, this as well. The Early Careers Framework has helped to provide a clear structure with quality CPD opportunities for our early careers teachers. And I feel that mentors are really well supported through the Early Careers Framework as well. Okay, so there are four self-directed sessions to work through that support mentors in their role. And there are videos that come out weekly to give the weekly module overview and ETA training sessions via Zoom. And I think it's important to say that obviously mentors um, have different roles within school. So I'm fortunate to be a non-class based deputy. So I've got time out of class. But if you're a full time teacher and a mentor, it's finding a way to make it work so that you're ahead of the game. You know what's coming up and you can also find that quality time to sit with your early careers teachers as well. So um, that's kind of a, something that needs to be looked into when, when you're becoming a mentor. Um, but yes, I have been involved with other mentors in different schools um, and shared quite a lot of our meetings. Um, there are two other mentors in our group, so we get to sort of network and share practice. Um, and just a, just a question and um, for, for for Gareth there. Obviously, um, uh, Jacqueline's pointed out that um, you know it, it can be um, quite tricky to juggle other responsibilities alongside the role of of mentor. Um, uh, and, and 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 as she's mentioned, there are four um, early career teachers in in her school. I'm just interested in in kind of. Um, understanding a bit more um, sort of how many uh, early career teachers to a mentor, um, what's, the, what's the sort of thought process um, around that? Uh, really good question. I mean, let me first say it's, it's so nice to hear Jacqueline describe the experience that she's had and that her early career teachers have had uh, through, this, um, through this process. One of the downside to being a Whitehall Mandarin is that you don't actually see this happen in practice quite often I spend more time juggling paper than, than seeing that the reality of it but it's lovely to hear this and and you know four years ago somebody could tell me I'd be hearing something like this it would have it then uh, made me even more motivated than I have been so it fills my heart with joy to hear I just wanted to say thank you exactly that is brilliant um and of course I think the thing that really stands out to me as you're speaking Jacqueline is that you are doing this wonderful combination of taking your experience uh, in the system, your your good practice that we know has existed. It's not like everyone's rubbish at this. There are people who really care about induction uh, and build on that and then take the additional support that the framework gives you, but also the materials that have been developed by the lead provider um, and, and brought those together to create a really rich induction ex experience. And it's important that I should say to everyone listening here that that offer those training materials, the videos you're describing, the, um, the mentor training support is available completely free. So schools who want to access that is available to them for free to, to help frame this experience. Um, and uh, we, we at central government have invested in that to make that available free to schools. Um, the, the bit about juggling all of this is obviously a valid one. We know that teachers and um, uh, you know, mentors are busy. We know that early career teachers, one of the things they often struggle with is workload because uh, because it's new and they're new to a career and new to a job and they want to show how amazing they are and don't to be the one saying that they are struggling to fit it into to hours um, or, or whatever. Um, what we've tended to find through the introduction of the ECF is that actually that helps people manage this stuff slightly more effectively. So as Jacqueline said, there is uh, flexibility in how this stuff is delivered. People can access it in their own time when necessary. They can um, move around things in, in their own pace. And schools as well, as they engage with this, will have the capacity to do to do some of that too. Um, and of course, it's not like where inductions were happening well across the system, these pressures didn't exist anyway. Um, what we tended to find is that because schools are trying to do the best they could, they were spending lots of time inventing this stuff themselves and actually that was quite labour intensive too so obviously with any new reform there's going to be a hump to get over for people to get used to it but the feedback we've got from everyone involved in the early rollout is exactly as Jacqueline describes um, that there is a real benefit to having a structure and a framework underpinned by really strong flexibly accessed 
learning materials and resources, uh, which means that people are able to juggle this um, more effectively than they have hitherto. Um, the, the, the kind of collective, uh, you know, uh, sense of how this has gone in early rollout areas um, absolutely reflects what, what Jacqueline has said. People really have valued uh, just the ability to engage with their peers in a way that really makes sense. And that sense that I'm sure some people listening who've been through their own uh, newly qualified teacher experience of, of isolation or loneliness or feeling like, you know, you've done a year PGCE and you're thrown at the deep end and you're a teacher now, get on with it, um, doesn't seem to be happening at all because of the structure we put around it. And that's really pleasing to hear. Yeah, and it is it is one of those um, you know, and I do the you know I often reflect on this. It is, it it does seem odd that you know in lots of other um, professions, you know, you you would you would start and you wouldn't be doing um, the whole the whole part of the job, <laughs> and you know it does you know with teaching is very abrupt. You know, a door closes behind you, and there are a room full of children in front of you, and at some point you're you're there as the teacher, um, and yeah. I mean, that's a, on that, I think it's a really interesting point, and, and I'll just say that when we first started thinking about this, we we did some comparisons with other professions just to see what people get. And you're right, teaching really is unusual compared to medical professions or architecture or or, or whatever. Um, in the expectations we have on day one. Uh, for a brand new teacher in in a classroom and I said that this started in 2017 when Justine Greening was the Secretary of State uh, she's an accountant by background and she often drew the parallel for the amount of time she still needed to spend to maintain her um, accreditation as an accountant every year on, on CPD but also that experience at the beginning of her career where she would get mentoring from other people in the firm she was working for where there were ongoing set exams. And it's not that anyone thought she wasn't an accountant at the beginning, but also everyone recognised that, you know, she'd been doing it for five minutes and you do learn stuff through experience and practice and sharing and, and speaking to one another. Um, so that was a point she always made right at the start. And I, as you say, I think it's reflected in other careers as well. So I'm pleased we're doing something here to address that with the teaching profession. Um, the other thing I could say on that is, uh, um, Jacqueline, you talked about uh, continuity and consistency. We're obviously with the ECF introducing something new into the system, but we've made sure that links very closely to the content review of ITT and also what we are doing to change national professional qualifications. So if, for example, you are learning about the underpinning evidence on classroom management in your ITT year, you will know and use the same evidence base that people going through the ECF will learn. And then also people who are doing the more senior qualifications to become you know, head teachers or heads of behavior in a school will also learn through their MPQ if you try to increase that consistency. Uh, Jacqueline, um, could you maybe tell us a little bit about um, your reflections on your your own teaching practice having having been a mentor and 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 done your kind of mentor training and 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 worked with your your ECF uh, teachers this year yeah so um i found myself actually trying out many of the ECF ideas when i'm in class and it's made my teaching even sharper and as i've said before it's about leverage so little tweaks can have a massive impact on outcomes for children such as even precise praise when it comes to behavior management um asking hinge questions for example as part of an assessment you know when you're in in the lesson and then it helps to take you, your learning forward and the really simple things to do um low stakes quizzes fantastic so um my it skills have improved significantly with the uh, join my quiz and quizzes and various things that are out there as well which is good and yes you can definitely teach an old dog new tricks so it's also made me more aware of my own practice and also I think what's really great is even though I've been 30 odd years in, in education it's also keeping that pedagogy fresh and the Education Endowment Foundation then are obviously putting pedagogy at the heart of it there's lots of reference to the latest educational research which is really good so it's not just you do it but you do it for this reason or research has shown you this and I think that's a really powerful tool um, and I think it's it's helping us all to raise our game so it's not just about 
you know, the early careers teachers, I really want to next year is take some of this really quality training and introduce it to a lot of our teachers so that we're, we're going to do some coaching within school that we can actually coach each other through this really good practice. Oh, that's that's fantastic to um, hear. And it, it does make you sort of think about kind of flashing forward to a time where, you know, um, if lots of people have been through this similar experience, and as you say, the the changes to ITT and um, the, the MPQs is that, you know, um, C, CPD, um, just more generally, as you say, um, will, because everybody's got that sort of shared foundation to build on, um, will will be a lot, um, lot uh, sort of more effective um, in than, than maybe the way that it sometimes um, it can happen uh, now, especially things like inset and, and, and those kinds of things, it can be you know, um, as, as as we've we've had conversations with about this on the podcast before, can be um, quite difficult to 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 work with a large group of teachers with a disparate group of um, you know experiences. So um, yeah, that's that's really that's really great to to hear. And um, so overall, your experience um, of the, of the program so far, what do you feel has worked worked well were there any teething problems and you know um what what are you thinking about is there anything that you'd tweak about the 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 program for next year um i think it's well to be honest the first thing i did was i downloaded the mentor handbook and to me that's been invaluable um i printed my own copy out in september and it's pretty tatty and battered now it's covered in scribbles and sticky notes uh, and I'm always dipping into it and referring to it. Um, and we've stuck faithfully to the programme and particularly to the sequence of modules because it, it did say in there that try not to adapt or change things. It's pretty good to go, really. Um, so I think that's really important that you do kind of run with it. Um, and it certainly helped to build up a vast wealth of evidence to record against the teaching standards as well, because I think what's important for people to realise is it doesn't take... Um, the place of the newly qualified teacher induction it kind of runs alongside it so you still have to go through the process for your local authority where you have to do you know formal assessments um lesson observations and then you've got to write your termly reviews and that doesn't take the place of that but actually it provides an incredible wealth of examples that you can then use um, to evidence those teacher standards, which is brilliant. So, you know, there's there's plenty of things to write about. Whereas, you know, before, if you've not got a lot of evidence, you're thinking, oh, where do I get teacher standard three? What can I find for that? So actually there's masses of evidence there, which is really helpful um, for when you're doing that. Um, and I think you said about tweaks. I think f- for me, um, and moving forward, if other people were going to mentor through the early careers framework, I think it would be trying to be prepared to go through it so that you're not kind of doing it ad hoc or doing it on the last minute. I think it's going to be an incredible tool to take teaching and learning forward. It's going to have massive impact on the outcomes of young people, but you've got to do it properly. You know, you can't just wing it you've got to stick pretty faithfully to it and invest in it but by investing in it the the outcomes that you get will be phenomenal so definitely worth doing it properly thanks that's really that's really useful advice there and um gareth i wanted to to ask you i mean we've we've referenced covid a couple of times in the conversation so far and we know school school leaders have you know been through an awful lot um you know was there ever any thought about potentially d- delaying this this rollout and 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 trying to um think about you know other ways uh, other times to introduce it given given all the kind of change and upheaval in schools uh, it's a really good question and the honest answer is yeah of course we thought about what we should do you know is this the right time to do the etf <clears throat> uh, that ran alongside a sort of slightly different question which was what should we do to make sure that teachers leaders when they come back to school uh, in the new normal um have the support uh, they need to to be as successful as they can be and in particular we were really interested in what we could do to help those 
people who'd gone through such a disrupted ITT experience, you know, this is something that's precedented in all kinds of ways. And for, for those teachers, that you know, this is a really challenging experience. Well, the conclusion we came to, uh, and it's one, again, we spoke to lots and lots of people about, is that if you put down a blank piece of paper and said, right, what do we need to, to do to help people who've had such a disrupted ITT experience to help teachers as they get back, do what they need to do as well as they can, you'd probably under, end up designing something that looked very similar to the early career framework. Um, in particular, we've had some really good conversations with people talking about the practicalities of things like classroom management. That's the stuff that people have really missed. You know, it's, it's the lack of FaceTime in classrooms that people would ordinarily get through their ITT experience um, that, that matters. So, I mean, we, we sort of went around the question, but fairly quickly came to the conclusion that actually the worst thing we could do would be to try and delay it because it offers so much to people more than ever needed in these circumstances. Um, and we're really pleased that as we've sort of had those conversations with lots of people in the system, with unions, with after college, with everybody, they've all agreed that that's the right conclusion to have drawn. And um, all, all of that said, of course, I recognise just how hard this last year and more has been for schools um, and you know the, the, the uh, introduction of any reform is going to have uh, you know a, an element of disruption to it um, we've we tried really hard to make sure we've got as much information out about it as early as possible there's loads of information on the website and the early rollout um, experiences have, have really helped shape that too um, but you know I don't for one second suggest that this isn't something that's going to be challenging for heads uh, as they think about implementing it and teachers as they take part in it but whatever happened there was going to be that sense of challenge because we are responding to the pandemic and we think this helps rather than hinders great and thank you thank you for being um honest there it's you know it's really easy i think sometimes to 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 just go oh government you know something else um but to to un to, to to understand um more about that and it does feel like this is a policy that the people have have been behind and and wanted to see in, introduced and you know as you said Jacqueline it's it's not been it's not been easy or, or, or straightforward for 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 a lot of people who've been through um initial teacher training um during during covid and and that this you know this is a this is a really good opportunity to to make sure that they that they can actually get off to um a, a flying start um and and obviously coming at the same time as a lot of other changes um to to CPD it, i guess it does it might add to that feeling of oh another thing <laughs> but actually it's 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 the coherency of the the whole piece to, together as well um too i imagine um so uh and just just looking to to the the future and your your busy team there at the at the dfe gareth are there any future plans to kind of review or or further develop um uh, provision for early career teachers um what's what's the plan uh <laughs> Obviously, I should say, yes, we've got a long-term strategic vision for, for all sorts of things. Right now, in all honesty, we are focused fully on, on the national rollout of the early career framework. Um, I mean, it, it, is, it is a significant change. Um, various people have tried telling me what they think the last time a change this big was. You know, I think the, the most recent change people come with is the early 1980s when teaching became a fully graduate profession. Um, so these kind of changes don't happen that often um, and uh, given the number we're talking about you know roughly 27,000 early career teachers um, will be starting in September plus the uh, associated mentors um, the you know the scale is significant and right now we're just focused on doing that I think as, as uh, Jacqueline said we will want to learn as it rolls out we do have plans in place to evaluate um, my my hope is that we are very much in tweak territory uh, in the next few years, um, rather than than fundamental changes. And there's certainly nothing that's come out of the early rollout that makes me think, goodness me, we've got that completely wrong. Um, but we will listen, we will learn, we will understand um, how we can tweak. Uh, it's important to say as well that as long as uh, alongside the evaluation, we also do have a quality assurance process um, that is focused solely on the learning providers. So, um, you know, the SIP providers um, that we've mentioned who are delivering the training will have to prove to Ofsted that they are meeting the uh, quality standards we expect of them. That's important for schools so they 
confident in it, but it also means we can learn about that too and we'll feed all of that into ongoing development. But, but right now, right now, <laughs> I'm just focused on September. Great, great stuff. That's that's really helpful to understand a bit more about the um, evaluation um, and, and quality assurance aspects there. Um, but but yeah, also um, that that reflection that actually this is a very big change, um, and 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 sort of rec- recognizing that and and that it will that it will take time to um, bed bed down. Uh, but but as we can as we can can see from Jacqueline's experience and 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 as you say that 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 is echoed amongst other people who've experienced the early rollout that the um the the signs are very very positive. Um, uh as well so that's that's great to hear and i think we're all just going to be using tweak all day long now (laughs) (laughs) um you you asked the question earlier caroline about mentor numbers and ratios and i just realized i didn't answer it okay yeah sure helpful for you um each of the providers is coming up with a different model for mentoring um sometimes that'll be a sort of straightforward one-to-one relationship um but actually there's an advantage, particularly for more experienced mentors, to mentor more than one early career teacher. Sometimes that comparison is actually a really useful thing when you're mentoring. And Jacqueline talked about the benefits of um, both peer support amongst early career teachers, but amongst mentors too. So, so there will be subtle differences between the different learning providers and exactly what ratio they go for. Bottom line is everyone will have the capacity to access the same amount of mentoring time and training, um, you know, regardless of which ratio people opt for. Thank you. That's very helpful. Um, and is there anything that either of you would like to um, share with our listeners in in closing about about the the program or Jacqueline your your experiences of it? Well, I I absolutely love it as you can probably tell. I think it's been fantastic, and particularly in a very turbulent year or two years, if you like, academically. Um, I think if I can just give a little anecdote, which is quite useful, is so when we had the autumn term and we were kind of doing our first modules one and two, which was great, the the ECTs were practicing um, behaviour management strategies, etc. And they were starting to embed them. And what was what's been really fantastic to see them grow and develop over this year um, is that when I do drop-ins, because that's another feature that you do drop-ins and it's in a non-threatening way. So you're not actually doing a formal observation. You kind of just, you, you're almost like you, you're going into um, like the microscope. You're just focusing in on one particular thing and you're trying it. And dare I say the word again, tweaking, you're tweaking it until you get really best practice. Um, So at the start of the year, they were looking at the first module was how can you create a powerful learning environment? And the second one was how do pupils learn? And when you do the drop-ins, you often see that these things then become embedded and it's and it's almost like natural practice for them. It's really great to see so that at the start of their first term it's like oh how do I do this and how do I do that and then the next thing you know you know bam they're doing precise praise regularly they're asking hinge questions they're doing this and it's like second nature for them because it's been drip fed into the program which has been great so the anecdote that I wanted to bring up really was when when the schools were reopened to everybody on the 8th of March because we had no more than 10 pupils in our classes um, it was actually a bit of a honeymoon period because I think never in the history of education, again, will teachers have classes of 10. Um, and when they're doing the online learning, it was quite chilled and calm. And so when you open the doors and everybody came back in, obviously, because we're working in a challenging area as well, we've had children who let's be realistic, hadn't engaged with their online learning and may not have picked a pencil up since December. And so we're struggling again with the structure and the routine of the day. So you went from this serene class of 10 to suddenly having this mixture of children in your classes. And a lot of our early career teachers were like, oh, what do I do? It's like, it's really overwhelming. And you could feel their stress and anxiety at this happening. And the very first thing that I did with them was to sit them down and say, let's go back. 
to the early careers framework. Let's go back to those first two modules and let's go back to basics. So what were the things that you did in September to establish your classroom routines? Let's go back to it. And they did. And because they'd already did it um, in the autumn term, they quickly picked up that and suddenly there was calm again. So after that initial panic, they'd already embedded that practice and it was just reminding them about it so the early careers framework was a fantastic tool because it's just a bit like revision keep going back to it and the one thing that has come out of it for us and I keep saying to all of them is it's just about layering keep layering layering it up and actually it makes you a much more rounded teacher and you've got these really secure embedded practices in place so yeah it's been fantastic that's that's really that's really lovely to 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 hear and as I say I can just imagine it it must have been must have been a really difficult time um uh especially for um as you say younger less experienced teachers but hard for everybody to come to come back after school at that point and 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 great to have something to go go back to in that way and Gareth is there anything that you want to share with our listeners in closing uh, just just a few final points from me. So first, I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's been involved in this process so far. So to, to Jacqueline and all the people like her who've been engaged in the early rollout. Uh, over 1,900 teachers have experienced the ECF early through that process, um, and it has been a valuable uh, uh, learning experience for us. Um, so thank you to everyone who's been involved in that people who've helped design the early career framework engaged in it, and frankly to all the schools now who are working out how they take this forward in September. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really grateful that people are running with this so enthusiastically. I've been, a, as I said, a civil servant for 18 years. I've worked for different governments on all sorts of different policies. I don't think I've ever done anything where I walk into a room and I've expected people to be really pleased about what I'm supposed to say, rather than uh, less so. It's not that there are challenges and issues, of course there are, but, but you know, the enthusiasm for this is, I think, genuine and real. And when you hear stories like the examples that Jacqueline's given us today, it's easy to see why. Uh, this is, you know, perhaps a, a rare example of a government policy that has just such clear, positive, tangible improvements and outcomes for people. It's, it's a delight to be involved with, and I'm really grateful to everyone for the effort they're putting in. Um, the only other thing I want to say, please keep... Uh, looking for information, if you go to the um, early career framework pages on our website, the .gov website, um, there's information there. There's a link through to a platform where you can register, um, uh, which is the route by which you'll go down to get your um, uh, additional support or you want to go to one of those learning providers, for example. Um, but there's lots of other information on there as well. And we're going to start to put out more and more videos sharing the kind of experiences that Jacqueline has described. So um, please keep looking out for the staff, spread the word. And, uh, and if you think there are tweaks that we need to make, tell us. I'd be really delighted to hear that too. <laughs> Great stuff. And um, we'll put some links in the, the notes for this podcast and we'll keep them updated as and when things come out. Thank you both so much for talking to us today. And thank you very much for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key, giving education leaders the knowledge to act. Members of The Key for School Leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com. And please tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.